0: Good. My name is Sean. If you are new with us, I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. I'm the executive pastor. Pastor Will is obviously out this week, but uh, he will be back soon to continue in the series that he is doing. And I want you to know I'm kind of scared up here giving this. um, Had something's happened. I'd rather have Pastor Will sitting in the front seat than a good friend of mine's daughter sitting in the front seat um, because I just feel judgment coming from her because I give her a lot of hard time. So if I mess up, she's going to give me a hard time later on. So I love her dearly. But um, So if I stumble and fall. It's her fault, not mine. That's not true. That's not true. Hey, I had something really exciting happen. Uh, My wife and I, Kim, we celebrate our 26th wedding anniversary this past week. Thank you. We made it. We did it. Um, I also want to share the story of how we met. It was pretty uh, unique or, I don't know, unique. Um, I was, I was like 24. We're 26, 28 years ago, 29 years ago. I was um, looking through my Christian Mingle account. I was swiping through. Oh, wait a second. That wasn't even invented yet. Um, That's right. That's right. I had um, been um, asked to come and speak at a youth event, and Kim was one of the counselors at that Christian youth event. No, wait a second. That's Pastor Will and Leslie's story. Um, How did we meet... Oh, yeah, I remember now. She picked me up in a bar. That's right. Um, <laughs> shocking, I know. It's, a, it's the truth, but it's, she didn't really pick me up. She came and asked me to dance. We danced. I'm a Don Juan on the dance floor, so there's... No, um, I stepped on her foot a couple of times probably, but through that we met. Uh, but, you know, uh, most great stories are love stories, and um, most great love stories have a unique twist to them. And that's why I've always found it kind of funny and a little bit odd that we describe the Bible as an instruction manual for life. And it is. It's got some really good stuff in there. But how many of you like reading an instruction manual? <laughs> nope. Don't like it. Never have liked it. But yet that's how we describe it. But I think that we're, maybe we're missing it a little bit. Yes, the Bible is rich in things that we can have a better life with but i think we're missing the point the bible is really god's love story for humanity and it's in the most incredible love story ever written and i know that can be hard for us sometimes to kind of understand and wrap our heads around because truthfully it doesn't feel like god's really that available. I mean, he feels distant, he feels unseen, and the truth of the matter is, we really kind of feel like he's just looking at us and judging us a lot of times. That doesn't really feel like a love story. But, go look in Genesis 3. First step towards the relationship is made by God. In the cool of the afternoon, God came On the most open invitation ever done. For Adam and Eve, but also for all humanity. He just came. And he cried out, where are you? I want to take a walk. He's been asking that question for all of humanity. But here's the deal. The man and the woman could not say yes to that walk because they were too busy hiding down in an emotional hole that they found themselves in. So the plot twist in the love story of God and humanity comes early on. The first plot twist is this. God's relationship with humanity is our rejection of him. The rest of the story is the rejected God not giving up on the people he loves. That's it. Think about this. There's once was a king, and that king was the most powerful king in all the land. All the other noblemen and leaders, they kind of bowed down to his authority. He had the most wealth. He had the biggest army. He was just the biggest and the baddest king, but the king had one little slight niche in his armor. He was in love. He was in love not with a beautiful princess, but he was in love with a poor maiden. Matter of fact, she lived in the poorest region of his his country and on a really poor piece of land. He was riding through the region, he saw her one day and he just became transfixed and he could not get his mind off of her. And he thought, how do I do this? How do I let her know that I love her? How do I let her know that I want to spend my life with her? And he said, I know what I'll do. I will take my royal carriage and I will go to her house, I'll pick her up, I'll bring her to my castle and there I'll put a crown of jewels on her head and I will dress her in the finest royal robes and we'll have a banquet every night and I will profess my love to her each and every day then he thought about it there was a problem with that how could he know that she would really love him I mean yes she would say yes How could she not? I mean, he was the king. She kind of had to say yes, and who wouldn't want what he was offering? I mean, if she didn't love him, look at all the perks. But that's not what he wanted. He wanted somebody to love him. He wanted an equal. He wanted somebody to share experiences with. So he struggled. He didn't know what he could do because here's the deal it's only in love that the unequal can become equal she was not his equal and if he did anything to elevate her up he realized he would break her free will and he'd never know so he did the unthinkable he went to his royals and he said here it's yours I no longer want to be king I no longer want the privilege I no longer want the wealth I no longer want the power you can have it I want love and so he went to the maiden not as a king but as a poor pauper with one goal and one goal alone to express his love for the maiden and hope that she might truly fall In love with him now that's a great love story but haven't we heard it before John starts out his gospel like this in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us in the early stages of the church in the first couple of decades There was a Christian thinker who penned these words. Of all the marvels and splendorous things about God, this is one that utterly transcends the limit of human knowledge. How this mighty power of the divine majesty could have entered into a woman's womb and been born as a little child and uttered the noises like those of crying infants. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, who sat at the right hand of God, chose to chess all that in, to cash it all in, to come be with us. In Jesus, we see that God says, closer is better. Now, God could have loved us from afar, He didn't have any problem with that, but that's not what He wanted. He wanted intimacy. And intimacy is just shared experiences. Just shared experiences. He wanted to share life with us. He wanted us to share life with him. So, Jesus of Nazareth, who Christians believe is God incarnate, God in the flesh, was born in the same messy way each and every one of us is. In Jesus, Mary kissed the cheeks of God. In Jesus, Mary fed God with her own body. In Jesus, Mary changed God's diapers. The same God of the universe had to learn how to walk by falling. The God who said, let there be light, had to be taught how to speak. In Jesus, God experienced loneliness, betrayal, love, joy, life, and death. You see, in Jesus, we find the real God, not the distant, untouchable, unapproachable presence we've imagined him to be. There's a... uh, whole genre of stories about becoming real. Most of them, or a lot of them, are kids' stories. Pinocchio is a story like that, where a toy wants to become a real boy. Uh, The Velveteen Rabbit is another story like that. And in this story, this little plush, stuffed animal rabbit becomes the best friend and favorite play toy of a young boy. Now, when I say the young boy loved the rabbit, he dearly loved it. He slept with it, went everywhere with him. When he went out in the garden to play, the rabbit went with him. And he loved that rabbit so much that over time, he started losing its whiskers. The rabbit um, started, um, its, its spots started fading a little bit on it, and the pink lining in the rabbit's ears had really turned gray. It really wasn't even pink anymore. The rabbit had been loved so well that it really didn't even really look like a rabbit anymore, just kind of like a stuffed sock, you know? But to the, to the little boy, not only was he loved, he was real. little boy, this little rabbit was a friend, and he was a real friend. See, love creates value in what is love. Jesus' good friend said it like this. 1 John, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. real love makes everything else become alive. And the little rabbit, the little plush rabbit desired so much to become real, to eat from the lush green grass that it saw in the garden, to play in the painted uh, flowers, desperately wanted to be real. But he had a friend who was an older toy and he warned him. He said, listen, the path becoming real is long, and it's hard. There's a good chance when you're on that path that you'll lose even more of your spots, that probably all your whiskers will fall out. And there's a good chance you might even lose an eye on this journey. And this scared the rabbit. The rabbit did not want to go through this pain. You see, all... Reality comes with pain. All turning real comes with struggle. We don't get out of it without pain. John 15, 3 says this. 13 says this. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Real love costs us, it costs us a lot. It costs you your freedom. Because whenever you really love someone, you make promises to them. And those promises have to be kept. And that means you lose a little of your freedom in doing it. Real love is embarrassing. But it keeps us constantly having to go to the ones that we love and apologize. Because we've lied. Because we cheated. Because we've stolen. Because we've betrayed. Real love has a cost to it. Real love is whenever we wrap our heart and our spirit around someone else's joy. Real love is whenever one of my children is depressed and I don't have the answers for it. And I wonder how much I'm to blame for their pain. Real love is a man sitting by his wife, 60 years who he deeply loves seeing her once beautiful, strong frame has now become a wisp of itself holding her hand when her skin has gotten so thin that it's paper looking into her eyes and saying it's okay it's okay you can go knowing full well it will never be okay real love has a price tag to it we don't get out of becoming real without paying a price the road is long getting close means getting hurt yet no one comes to real no one becomes real without getting close without getting without being loved So, the young boy all of a sudden gets scarlet fever in the story. And it's touch and go, uh, whether he'll survive or not. But the velveteen rabbit never leaves his side during that time. Matter of fact, the velveteen rabbit is by him during the, the heat of the battle. and The child's fever is raging. He holds on to that velveteen rabbit. And then the young boy turns the corner. He starts getting well. But the doctors tell the parents that everything in the child's room needs to be destroyed. It needs to be burned. Yes, even the velveteen rabbit. And so cold and alone on the burn pile, the little rabbit is scared and doesn't know what to do. And out of nowhere, this real little tear... Comes from out of the corner of the, this plush rabbit's eye, rolls down its cheek and off its nose. And then the most amazing thing happens. This beautiful fairy appears, picks up the velveteen rabbit, kisses and holds it, and says, It's going to be okay. Do you realize who I am? I'm the nursery fairy. And I come when the children are no longer need their most precious and loved toys, and I take them and I make them real. It's gonna be okay. And Little plush rabbit says, but I thought I was real. And she says, you were. To the little boy, you were real. But now you'll be real to everyone. To everyone. It's amazing. See, there's a pay, price to pay, but there's also something incredible that happens at the end. The author called this transformation becoming real. We might call it resurrection. See, it's only when we love and truly love completely and fully to the point that we lose ourselves that we can follow after Jesus. He he commands us to. In Matthew 6, 24, it says this, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must take up your cross. To be my follower, you must take up your cross and follow me. Becoming real, our true self, only happens when we are willing to love others more than we love ourselves phenomenon that happened a a few decades back that psychologists and um, uh, counselors started seeing in their clients. And it was at the root, at the base of their clients' fear, their anxiety, their um, almost crippling emotional thing, was this deep, deep fear that people would find out that they were a fake. And it didn't matter how successful These people were, matter of fact, the more successful a lot of them were, the worse. They had this fear, this anxiety. It was almost crippling. And they couldn't figure it out, and the bottom of it. And so as they began talking, this was happening all over the place. And it was not a mental illness, but it was becoming an epidemic. They named it imposter syndrome. And it's the haunting feeling people feel when they believe they're not uh, as smart, kind, tough, good, successful, or as happy as they've led others to believe. We might call it Instagram. How many of us are feeling this? We don't talk about it. But how many of us are feeling like at any moment the gig's going to be up? At any moment, they're going to realize, I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good son. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good worker. I'm not a good friend. I'm just doing the best that I can. But truthfully, it's all a sham. What's going on all around us. And a lot of us in this room are feeling it. We may not put it down to these words, but man, we just feel like, man, it's... But here's the deal. There is a solution for it. And you're not going to like it. The psychologists and the counselors, they found that the only way for these people to get over their anxiety, get over their fear, to get over this, this crippling feeling that they were having was to become real, to take out their mask, start being honest, to let people in, to let them see their failures, let them see their shame, to let them see their shortcomings. And the ones who would start moving in this direction started finding some relief. But here's the problem. Do you know what real is? In our society today, do you know what real is? Because everything has a mask on it. Everything has a filter. It's hard to know what a real life is supposed to look like. It's like we need someone to come and show us what a real life can look like. Someone that's not going to judge us, but somebody that's going to empathize with us and say, I know what it's like. I've walked this walk. I get it. But there's more. There's so, so much more. Brene Brown uh, shares a little cartoon to... Uh, to um, show what empathy and sympathy are and in the cartoon it's of this little fox and the little fox finds itself down in a hole Um, i think we have an image of it yeah so the little fox is down the hole and the little fox cries out i'm scared i'm lonely i don't know what to do and the first thing that shows up is the little deer the little deer pokes its head down in the thing goes "Ooh, this is bad this is a big cave You're in a deep hole. Yeah. At least you're not starving in Africa, but this is bad. And want a sandwich? Not a lot of help. But that's what we do. We don't know what to do. So we try and help people by putting a little silver lining around it. But then this bear. Doesn't look out from the outside. No, the little bear, big bear, walks down, climbs down into the hole with the little fox. Gets face to face with the little fox. And says, I get it. I understand. You're not alone. You're not alone. See, guys, the problem with looking at Scripture, with looking at this gift of the Bible that we've been given, that it's just an instruction manual, is that instruction manuals condemn our failures. But love stories, they mend our souls. Jesus didn't come to condemn our failures. He could have done that from on high. He came to mend our souls came to show us the way out He came to show us that life can be more than what we've been led on to believe that it is and that we're not alone and that we are loved for who we are i've got a couple questions that i Hope that you will take some time to think about this week. Um, if you're on our text um, thing, you can, um, you'll get this here a little bit. If not, you can follow along there to get it. But the first one is, I struggled with kind of how to write it, and I'll explain it here in a second. Can experience be truly, can a experience be truly memorable if it's not shared? It's kind of like the idea of uh, if a tree falls in the wood and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a noise? Can we really say that an experience was memorable if we got nobody to remember it with? I don't know. Think about it. Next one. How does, real, how does your reality of the world compare with the reality Jesus is inviting us into? And then what is your view of the Bible? an Instruction manual, a love story. See guys, for a lot of us sitting in this room, it would be really, really easy to let this one go. Because when we start talking about intimacy with God, we start talking about intimacy with others, it just feels mushy-gushy. And I get it. I'm a guy. It's not easy for me to stand up here and talk about a little Velveteen Rabbit. I mean, I live in the real world. In the real world, there's pain. In the real world, there's suffering. In the real world, it's dog-eat-dog. Dog, and you got to look out for yourself and take care of number one. That's the real world. The real world is office politics. The real world is trying to find a job. That's the real world. The real world is pain and hurt and trying to just figure out how to survive. Maybe. And I get that. We've all got to figure out how we're going to find what the real world is. But I love this quote from a philosopher. I wish I could find the source of it. I've been holding on it for a while. But reality is what... You can count on pain is what you experience when you miss, uh, mistake what is reality. Think about that one for a little while. How many of us have thought this is the way life was going to be when we were 22 years old, when we were 18 years old, and we're 36 years old, and we're dealing with the pain of that false reality? I love the last song that we did. become one of my favorites, and Bailey did such a beautiful job of leading us in it. I love it because it takes everything I'm trying to say in this 30 minutes, and it puts it into a six-minute song, which is incredible. But the opening lines go like this. Jesus' perfect love, you meet us where we are. You came to us to show us the love of God. You came to us no matter the cost. It's called Glorious Wonder, and it's a mosaic song. It's an older song. But man, it is a powerful song to remind us God's in love with us, He's pursuing us. Jesus didn't come to become real. No, no. If that's what you got this message, no. Jesus came to show us a little slice of reality. We've messed up things so badly, nothing is real down here. Jesus came to show us what real life is to look like. He came to offer it to each and every one of us. To say, you can have this. You can have something real and not only can you have it, you can give it away to those you care and love. God gets up every morning still. I don't know if he gets up. I don't know if he sleeps. Probably doesn't. But in my in this analogy, he gets up every morning. There's a wind in his face and a question on his heart. Same question he's always had, same question he had for Adam, and same question he's had for each and every human who's walked the face of this earth. Where are you? Where are you? Jesus. Jesus came just like that king, gave up everything came to pursue a loving relationship with you and for me. And just like that bear, he's crawling down in the hole that we made saying, you're not alone. What's going to be your response? Because he just wants to go for a walk. He just wants to go for a walk